Welcome to First Do No Harm. I'm your host, Jamie, here with Kristen. And this week, we are going to chat with you about violence in healthcare. A few weeks ago, a gunman went into a hospital in Orangeburg, South Carolina, shot and injured a nurse who is now in critical condition. So Kristen and I felt that it was something that we should probably tackle since it is an important topic and to raise awareness to the things that healthcare providers have to go through all the time. A screenshot of a post from a nurse in one of my travel nurse forums that I follow. And this is what she said. So tonight was another reason I no longer want to be a nurse. I was punched in the face by a drunk patient at work in the emergency department. Patient verbally aggressive. I walked away to have a patient follow me. I turned around when I realized that she was following me, only to have her continue to be verbally aggressive and then punch me closed fist in the face. Are you kidding me? I called the police and they came. However, she was not arrested because she was intoxicated. Nurses are unsafe all around. I'm, I'm so bothered by that because she wasn't arrested because she was intoxicated. But had she been in public at a bar intoxicated and punched the bartender, she would have been arrested. But just because she's a patient at the hospital, suddenly it makes it okay for her to be drunk and punch the nurse, that doesn't make any sense to me. And another thing that I don't really understand when talking about this, Gallup report in one of my previous episodes about nurses, the profession of nursing is the most respected profession, higher than doctors, definitely higher than lawyers, and even higher than teachers. So why are we the ones who are not protected? I mean, we, see patients who are suffering psychological issues. We mm -hmm. see patients who have a history of domestic violence. We see patients who are intoxicated or are on drugs who are violent from that. And yet, where's our protection? Not to mention, what happens to these people? So even if this person was not arrested, what is the likelihood that anything with law enforcement would happen towards these individuals. Define what your question, what you're saying. I'm saying, for example, if what happens if you hit a cop, it's a felony. Absolutely. So yeah. and, you hit and, a cop, you're in big trouble. Right. Again, you, you hit a cop, they are to protect and to serve, right? The role of nurses and doctors and CNAs and housekeepers and dietary we're all there to serve you. We are all there to protect you. We are all there to help you rehabilitate into a healthier, hopefully a healthier life to get better. And that's, that's why you're there is because you have a sickness and we're there to help you. And for most, most nurses and healthcare professionals, if you are attacked, if it goes anywhere, it is only a misdemeanor. And we don't have guns. We, we don't have batons to hit you back with. We don't mm -hmm. have cuffs to lock you down. 
I mean, we, we have restraints, but realistically, how hard is it to get orders for violent restraints in the hospital? Right. So I'd like to point out, okay, so Joint Commission, the Joint Commission put out a paper in April 17th of 2018. It's called the Sentinel Event Alert. It said 25,000 workplace assaults were reported annually to OSHA, just on average each what? year. 75% of those occurred in healthcare and social service settings. 75% of what number again? 75% of 25,000 workplace assaults. 25,000. Yeah. So let's put that in perspective. 25,000 and 75% of that is 18,750 annually on average. And they talk about how it's underreported because nurses don't actually know what constitutes violence Mm -hmm. because they sometimes believe they're the people assaulting them are not responsible for their actions due to conditions affecting their mental state. We're going to go ahead and disclose this again. You and I are both neuro ICU nurses, which means a lot of people that you and I deal with, they have brain injuries you have little mammal or you have your little papaw there that they're confused and they're scared and they throw some punches. Let me tell you, 0% of the time, do I get angry at those people? 0% of the time. Mm -hmm. I understand. But have you ever had a situation where the patient was completely intact and was violent towards you? I feel like that's such a relative term, completely intact. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I had a patient one time who was traked, had a brain injury, had been in the hospital for a number of days. We're talking two, two and a half, three weeks. So a long time to be in the hospital, especially in ICU. Um, And what some people need to be aware of is that, or what our listeners need to be aware of is that sometimes when you're in the, especially in an ICU setting, you're not seeing the sunshine. You don't know if it's day or night. A lot of times you can get delirious. So I don't know if he had a bit of delirium. Um, If I don't think he was, I don't think he was completely intact, but he was ready to punch me because I wanted to take one of the devices out of him that we had placed um, in him to to help him out at the time and now it wasn't benefiting him anymore so I wanted to remove it and he was ready to punch me because I wanted to remove it. Mm -hmm. I had something similar except I can tell you that my patient on a travel assignment I was taking care of a patient zero neurological complications zero this man had had an issue for a little bit and he was recovering. He was coming back around. He was doing much better, but he was not able to swallow. And so we had a tube in his nose that went to his stomach that was surgically placed under fluoroscopy and he was trying to pull it out. And so I went in there, I was like, Hey, 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 it's okay. It's okay. I know this is annoying. We have all of this set up, but we need to make sure that you can get some food. You have to get this medication. And as I was coming in, he kicked me in my chest. 
kicked oh. me in my chest. Oh my God. I'm five foot nothing, 115 pounds. I'm not a very threatening personality. This guy also had a slew of diseases. And one of the diagnoses that he had was something that could be transferred if bodily fluid was transferred from him to me. And it could only be transferred through broken skin. So while I was there and I was grabbing his hand, and I was like, hey, sir, hey, 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 hey. And remember, he just tried to, he, he just kicked me. He made contact with my chest. And so I grabbed his hand. I was like, no, sir. Like, no, what, what, you know, we need to calm down. What's the matter? What, what's going on? This man then tried to bite me, knowing, knowing oh that if he bit me, that I would have a high chance of contracting this disease that I would have for the rest of my life as well. Oh, my goodness. Do you know, at this travel contract, the manager came to me, asked me to go to occupational health, but also asked me not to press charges. So you were asked by the manager not to press charges, and this man was completely intact. He was completely aware. And, and just for the listeners, in case they don't know what we mean by completely intact, he was completely aware of mm-hmm. his actions and what they would cause, and he knew if A happened, B would be the consequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was he was a very violent person. Oh and, my goodness! And he was screaming for from the door. If another nurse comes in here, I'm going to try to kill her. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do we do? And I, I feel like it's becoming more common to turn on the television now and to see that people are getting shot at hospitals. It's not just the patients. It's not just. It's not violence from the injured people. Like people are coming into the hospital setting wanting to do harm. There is something about the hospital itself that makes people think that they can drop their common sense at the front door. And I don't understand what it is. I was talking to a coworker of mine about this earlier this week. Where is there a disconnect with patients and families and visitors or whoever that you think it's okay to hurt the person who is trying to do nothing but take care of you. I don't know you. I don't know who you are outside of the hospital. I don't care who you are outside of the hospital. I'm going to treat you exactly like I would treat the Pope. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you're, if the poorest man ever is on, is in the room or the Pope himself is in the room. I'm going to give you the same kind of care. And it does, I don't care what you did prior to getting there. I don't care what kind of crime you committed. Sometimes we get inmates. It doesn't matter to me. What, mm-hmm. But what is so boggling to me is, mind boggling is, where do you think it's okay to hurt a stranger who is trying to do nothing but help you? What part of that is okay? I don't know. <clears throat> I don't get it. I don't understand it. And it, it, the more it happens, the more I'm like, what can we do? Where is the disconnect? Who can we educate? Who do we need to educate? Who, what is it going to take for us to say enough is enough? So going to plug Dr. Z-Dog. Did you, do you ever listen to him? Oh, mm-hmm. Z-Dog MD. Yeah, that's him. So it's a physician who he's, very big in the medical community, nurses, doctors, et cetera. And 
he really tries to be a great advocate of issues that are going on too. And he started this one movement that hasn't quite taken off yet, but it's the hashtag silent no more. Because mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Have you seen that at all? I have. I've seen the hashtag. I haven't really dived into it, but I've seen it. So this is, this is a thing. I mean, this, this violence, it's happening to a lot of nurses. It's happening to doctors. It's happening. It's even happening to student nurses too. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Before they ever get into the profession, it's happening. So what do you think the right answer is? I don't know. Um, I feel like it's going to take a lot of, maybe not a lot, hopefully not a lot, but I think people are going to have to start pressing charges and showing other people that it's not okay. Mm -hmm. You can't come into the emergency room drunk or like, for instance, that article, you can't come in drunk and attack your nurse and expect for it to be okay. That should never have been, the officer should never have been like, oh, well, she's drunk. It's okay. No. If you had been in a bar and attacked the bartender, drunk or not, you're going to jail. Well, and, and I would like to question, is there a difference because it wasn't the officer that was attacked? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because had he been attacked, it would have been taken care of. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be that person. Right. But it's just, as we discussed a minute ago, it's, it's such a different standard that it's seen, how dare you attack a police officer? Whereas here we are pretty much wearing our like little pajamas, you know, like running around <laughs> in scrubs. And I, I mean, we can't even, we can't hold someone back who is trying to attack us because they can't be improperly restrained. Because we have a lot of rules regarding how we can restrain a person too. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm getting at. So, I mean, somebody's coming at you, you can't hold them down. You can't, you can't have some other nurses come and help you hold them down until security gets there because it's a violation towards the patient. And we can't violate the patient, even if they are trying to injure us. And God forbid you do something to get a bad score on the survey. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, I mean, you're, it's, it's real, which is, part is. Of the reason why I wonder if why managers oftentimes try to prevent you from pressing charges. I don't know. I mean, that's pretty interesting that that happened to you. I, I would have been very disturbed by Please don't press charges. Mm, I, that would have disturbed me greatly. Well, I mean, but think about it. I'm, I don't know if you're part of a lot of the nursing forums, but I know that I read forums all the time where patients get angry and they throw like a urinal full of urine across the room or uh -huh. they, what would happen if this was in public? What would happen right. if we were at a bar and somebody right. got ticked off and they threw their bottle of beer at somebody else and broke a bot? What would happen in that situation? You at least, the least that would happen, you'd get thrown out of the bar. Mm-hmm. But, but, yeah, what, but what do we're we in do? hospital situations? We can't throw you out of the hospital. We can we can enforce the rules. We How? can enforce regulations. I don't I don't know. That's a good question. That is a good question. And it and I, I have know. traveled <laughs> and I've worked at roughly a dozen different hospitals. I've had to go through stuff for how to properly restrain a patient. 
at every single mm-hmm. place. I've had to go through how to properly put in a Foley catheter, how to properly put on sterile gloves, how to change a central line dressing. But I have never, ever been told how to properly take care and protect myself. And this is an issue everywhere you go. People are verbally abusive to us. People Mm -hmm. throw things at us. And clearly people are physically abusive. But that's just swept under the rug. We recently, I say recently, but it was probably here in the past couple of years. um, We have to take, at my hospital, we have to take a workplace violence class, basically. Mm -hmm. That teaches you how to defend yourself. And how to get away from an attacker um, or what to do if someone tries to attack you. Which is the only place I've ever taken that class at. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you take it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had it as a traveler. We had to take it, too, which was phenomenal. I mean, I think the hospital that you're employed at is one of the best I've ever, ever been privileged enough to work at. And that's just another example they actually care about your protection. They care about you as a person, you as a nurse. But on the, on the flip side of that, we're still running into the same problem. I mean, while I, now I know, I mean, I, I could probably pull something out of my hat on how to protect myself. I don't take that class often, you know, and I don't use it that often. So, mm-hmm. but if something were to happen, would I be able to go through the proper channels? I don't know. Would I be, I'm sure I'd be able to go through the proper channels. Um, and I, and I, I, I want to have faith that I would be able to say, I want to press charges and that it, that would be okay. But I don't know. I don't either. And that's not the nursing climate either. The climate in nursing is to brush it off because they don't know any better or to, um, it's okay. They're just frustrated. Right. Well, it's just another part of the day. Yeah, exactly. They got really bad news. They have cancer. They have whatever going on with them. And I understand we are encountering people, especially in the ICU, we're encountering people on the worst day of their lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's hard. And I understand. But that still does not make it okay to try to hit me or punch me or kick me or push me away. I'm merely here to help you. Unless you are, I'm not going to do anything to you that you don't want done to you. If you refuse a treatment, I'm going to be like, I'm going to educate you and tell you the repercussions of refusing this treatment and what might happen because you refused it uh, or the dangers of that. But I'm not going to do it if you don't want me to do it. I'm not going to force you to do something. And that to me is the only time that I could see someone that it being okay for someone to use violence against me is that is if I'm trying to do something to you that you don't want done. Right. Which is but not, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm not, not going to do that. And, and if it's not verbal or if it's not physical abuse, it's verbal abuse. Mm-hmm. We get oh, verbal abuse all the time. Do. Yeah, yeah. All the time. <laughs> and it's horrible. It's horrible. It's just expected in nursing or it's, ex- I mean, it's not just nurses either. Like you said, it's AIDS. It's, doctors. And I feel like doctors don't get it as much because people, patients and family members tend to straighten up and they don't behave the same when a white coat comes into the room Mm -hmm. versus someone in some scrubs. I can definitely see, I feel like I can see progress 
at my hospital at least because of that workplace violence class and did we have I know you traveled to my hospital which is how we met mm-hmm. <laughs> um oh 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 so okay here we go here's another one as we're sitting here talking Z Dog MD it just came up on my Facebook that I was looking at while you were going to round up your pup so in recent news as of like a day or so ago, a patient was discharged from the hospital. He, it, it, it was a psych patient who assaulted a nurse. The next day, the nurse showed up, was sick. She ended up with um, some blood clots. And I think one went to her lung, so she ended up with a pulmonary embolism. And so they did an autopsy to see if this was because of the attack that she received the day before from the patient she cared for. And he posted that the coroner has now ruled this a homicide. Hashtag silent no more. So a nurse just died. She, so she died Yeah, after getting the pulmonary embolism. She died after being attacked, but which caused like a cascade of problems. And uh, they, they assumed, they weren't sure that if it was just a a regular health problem that was coincidental, or if it had something to do with the attack that happened to her the day before, and they ruled it a homicide now. Good. I think that's what it's going to take. I mean, I, unfortunately, education, some, some people you can educate and educate and educate and educate, and it's not going to do, it's not going to get through. But if you start punishing the people who are doing the act, people will understand that it's not okay. But I'm really interested to see who's going to even hear about this. I mean, we we hear about it because it's what we follow. When Mm -hmm. a cop dies, and again, this is not an attack against cops. It's just it's just to show us that a comparison, right? It's it's our culture. Right. As far as professionals, right? So when you have a police officer who gets shot in the line of fire, mm-hmm. a lot of times that makes national news. Yep. So I'm going to be very interested to see if it's going to make national news about a nurse dying from caring from a person because she was attacked by the person that she was trying to heal. How would you feel if I told you that healthcare professionals at some hospitals face more crimes or assaults than police officers in their area? Oh, I can believe it. Do you? I can believe it. Yeah, absolutely. Because I I certainly read that statistic and we'll add it to this that people can look it up. Yeah, absolutely. That doesn't surprise me at all. (laughs) <laughs> because once again, it's taboo to assault an officer. Mm-hmm. It's a felony. Not only taboo, it's a felony to assault an officer. And while they are in the line of fire, and they do have a very dangerous job. I'm not, I'm not saying that our job is more dangerous than theirs by any means. But again, we're dealing with people on the worst day of their lives. And you- people are unpredictable. Do you think that the public realizes that nurses and other healthcare professionals are actually exposed to a lot of violence? No. 
No, I don't think they know. I don't, I don't think the general public understands what we're exposed to on a regular basis at all, whether it be violence, whether it be airborne diseases, whether it be HIV, hepatitis, hepatitis C, like, yeah, n- none of it. I, I often, well, not often, but sometimes I will mention to Sarah something about oh, well, I I was in an, an airborne room all, all week or something like that. And she's like, what do you mean? Well, my patient was on watch for possible tuberculosis. And she's like, or meningitis. Uh, yeah, or meningitis. Yeah. Don't bring that home. Do you? Okay. But that's like just a regular <laughs> day that. for me. We're, we're just going to set up. Like <laughs> I feel like if the, the general public would if it was something that most people understood that we are faced with on a daily like you said a daily basis right. a daily basis all the infection that we can catch by just being near someone um that they would expect outside their workplace to have like a quarantine room where you get hosed and sprayed down <laughs> you know like you torture clothes <laughs> right yeah yeah like it's it's our it's our everyday like you know, like Sarah or whoever, sometimes like, what do you mean you dealt with that for 12 hours? Um, I dealt with that for 12 hours, four times this week or three times this week. And I'm going to go back next week and do it all over again. I had someone, but with you saying that it's, it's also really interesting when you talk about the general public dealing with what we do and how they view it. I have someone that I know that they trying to become, they're doing an internship or something as a drug and alcohol counselor. And this person was so mad that during intake, the patient disclosed that they had HIV. And yet she was not informed when she was caring or when she was educating the individual. And this is an outpatient thing. You know, they're coming for like, follow up. It may be court mandated to try to stay clean for sobriety, things like that. Right. But she was angry that the person who did this individual's intake didn't disclose to her that this person had HIV because she was afraid that she might catch it. It's amazing to me how people see that situation and they feel like they need to be protected. I've had many people, many people Say, what is it exactly that you do? And they know I'm a nurse. They know I'm an ICU nurse. I go, what do you mean? What do I do? I nurse. <laughs> right. Like that's like, um, and that, so I always end up telling people I am responsible for everything from that door back to that wall. Mm-hmm. Everything in that room I'm responsible for ultimately. Sure. We have respiratory therapy who's responsible for the vent, but at the end of the day, when things start declining, if respiratory is not around, I'm responsible for that vent too. Mm-hmm, absolutely. If I had could say anything to the general public, it is, I am choosing, don't get me wrong. I love my job. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love mm-hmm. my job. On my worst days, I still love my job. I am so blessed to be able to do what I do. It is something I've wanted to do since I was a very young child. And I'm so blessed and privileged to be able to live out my dream and do it every day. With that said, 
I am still choosing your family member over peeing, over eating, over making sure my family is okay at home. I'm choosing your family member or you, and I'm choosing to make sure you are okay. And I want to keep you alive. And I don't want to just do it because it would be a lot of paperwork for me. I sincerely care about you mm-hmm. as a patient. You are not just a body in a bed to me. And I would venture to guess that the majority of nurses feel that way. Mm-hmm. That you're not just a body laying there. You're a person with feelings who is hurting. And I am doing the best I can to make sure you're comfortable and taken care of. And sometimes taking care of you isn't a comfortable thing. Sometimes I have to poke you with a needle or put a device up your nose or a, a tube up your nose so that way it can go down to your belly so you can get nutrition, so you could heal, so you can get out of the hospital. Just because it is unpleasant doesn't mean I am coming at you from a vicious standpoint. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. I, people, you know, they refer to us as vampires jokingly and... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I promise you, I'm not getting any pleasure out of hurting you. I'm simply trying to do my best to make sure that I do what is needed to make sure you have a home to your family. And I'm a stranger doing that. And again, I say I'm choosing that over sometimes peeing, eating, taking breaks. I'm choosing to take care of you. And please don't let it be that you repay me by scratching me punching me, pushing me, verbally abusing me because I'm still going to care about you. Some days I don't know why, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm still going to come back in the room after I take a minute to go breathe. I'm still going to come back in the room and I'm going to give you your pain meds because you're in pain. Or I'm going to ask you if your position in the bed is okay. Do you need more pillows? Would you like some juice? Because I care. And when you go home and you wake up the next day, you're still going to put your scrubs back on. You're going to tie up the laces on your shoes and you're going to go right back out to that person who was violent to you the day before because they still mm-hmm. need you. You're yep. still going to go and right back into that room and provide the and best. do it all care. over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we're going to hear from our special guest, Rusty, who is going to share with us the violence and the things that he's witnessed as being a first responder, taking care of patients outside the hospital setting. Hey, Rusty, thanks so much for joining the show. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Well, I gave information to the listeners about all of the things that happen to first responders, cops, paramedics, firefighters. And so I thought that you would be a great guest for this show. If you would tell everybody a little bit more about yourself. Uh, My name is Rusty. I'm a paramedic. I've been a paramedic for, been an EMS for 22 years now, almost. Been a paramedic for just over 18 of those single dad which is challenges in itself so absolutely so you are the first ones to when anything goes bad in public like you guys you pretty much see it all yeah there's uh, there's a kind of an old saying that goes there is no 9 12 you know 911 and you're it 
a little bit more, like I said, we were discussing violence in the workplace in your job because you don't always know exactly what you're going to. I mean, you have an idea when you get a call, but have you ever experienced really dangerous situations? Have you experienced uh, willing violence towards you while you have been trying to provide care for the public? Yes, I've been punched. Uh, we've, it's fairly, and I hate to say normal, but it's pretty normal, a fairly common occurrence for us to actually have to fight with a patient. And, and these, these aren't always confused patients. They are patients who are. No, it's when I say fight with a patient, I'm not talking about a dementia patient who's combative or a head injury patient who's combative. Those come with the with the job. These are the patients that are drunk or maybe um, on some type of drug, illicit drug, pharmaceuticals, whatever. Or these are the patients that just decide that they want to want to fight. And this happens way more common than a lot of people realize. That's unfortunate. So have you ever, while you've had this violence towards you, and again, you go there to try to protect people, to take care of people who are sick. So during these times, have you ever felt the need to press charges? Because that's always an option. Oh, yeah. I tried one time, was assaulted, punched in the face, uh, in the back of the truck. And to be honest with you, it's felt like a lost cause. Um, in the state of South Carolina, if you assault a police officer, then it's a felony. Right. If you assault a EMT or paramedic, a firefighter, and I'm not sure about nurses and doctors. I'm not sure about in hospital, but EMTs, paramedics, firefighters, it's just a misdemeanor. Which is so, terrible because unlike police officers who I, I greatly respect what they do, but you guys don't have protection there with you. I mean, you don't carry guns, right? I mean, you don't carry anything nope. that you can really combat when people are violent towards you. Exactly. And actually, you can get in trouble for restraining people. Yep. We have to be careful with how we restrain people. Um, have to be careful with which people we restrain. There are issues with, you know, there are issues with if you restrain someone and their airway becomes restricted or they vomit and aspirate, well, then you're liable. Which realistically could happen because people, you can't always tell who is completely stable versus who could become unstable quickly because you are responding to people who are having health issues. So someone becomes exactly. violent, you restrain them, and then something happens that you didn't anticipate. That's a huge risk. Exactly. So how are you prepared for such you know, judgment calls? I fall back on experience, um, which is, I mean, that's a great thing in my case, but I, <laughs> You do what you can in regards to what has to be done. Yes, there are times when patients get restrained and you end up having to release the restraints because of something changing. Right. 
it just it just depends on the situation. I mean, every situation is different. So do you think that our country as a whole, that they need to be more aware of the situations that you guys are put in? Because again, you go to all kinds of calls. You don't always know exactly what you're getting yourself into. I mean, you, you know what you could every day when you go to work, you know, the situations that, that could arise, but realistically you have no real defense against it. You know, you're, you're there only to help. You're there to protect, but yeah. in some sense, you're not able to protect yourself. Exactly. I'm going to, let me answer this question, your question in two parts. One, the public has no clue what we go through. Public has really no clue as far as what EMS deals with on a daily basis, what law enforcement, fire departments, what we all deal with on a daily basis. There's, there was a huge outcry, um, what, six months ago maybe, with the nurse in Salt Lake City who was arrested by the cop for not allowing him to draw blood. Right. Well, she was completely right. There was a huge outcry over that, mainly from the medical field, because no one understood why she was in the right. Mm -hmm. So the public doesn't understand. Now, that being said, the second part of this answer involves the other public safety professions who do understand what we go through. You know, law enforcement understands that Yes, it's dangerous, but I've heard on several accounts that, oh, well, that's your job. You have to deal with the patient. Yeah, we have to deal with the patient. That doesn't mean we have to get to be assaulted. That doesn't right. mean we have to be okay with being assaulted. And that is the, unfortunately, the mindset that a lot of law enforcement has Oh well, this is your job. You have to you have to touch the patients. You have to have your hands on the patient. This comes with the territory. No, it doesn't. You know, I find myself lucky that I am a naturally big guy, and I can handle most most of our patients pretty well. But I work with some small females. Mm -hmm. I work with some small guys. You know, some of these people. It's real easy to get hurt in an enclosed in an enclosed ambulance. You know, you're moving 55 miles an hour down the road or better. Patient decides to go crazy in the back of the truck. Well, guess what? That can that can go bad quickly before your partner can even get the truck stopped. Absolutely, and like in the hospital setting, when that happens, we can call security. We we can leave the room we can do things to protect ourselves. You guys are so vulnerable if anything changes yep. on a dime. Yep. I mean, you know, okay, yeah, we can get on the radio and call for law enforcement, but where are they at? Where are they coming from? What's their ETA? Right. So it's not the whole, yes, I control the environment in the back of the truck to the best of my abilities, but sometimes even that controlled environment is dangerous. Absolutely. And I think I understand that being a nurse to an extent, I can, I can understand how it could be that way. But as you were saying earlier, I don't think that 
the CPA or the programmer or people who live office lives or they don't have to encounter such personalities that they really grasp the dangers that come along with taking care of other people. And again, like you said earlier, if you are assaulted, if something does happen to you, there is physical violence against you. There's only so much that, that can happen and people don't have to really suffer the consequences. But yet I've read that so many people too, EMS, RNs, doctors, and so on, that they even to an extent suffer a bit of PTSD, post-traumatic stress from being assaulted. I mean, having to go back into that situation could be terrifying. I'm, I'm sure that, like you said, some of the smaller females or, or whatnot, even though I'm sure they're very, very tough people, it can be scary after you get hurt, physically hurt from taking care of someone to get up the next oh, yeah. day and go back and do it all over again. Oh, yes, exactly. So do, um, they, do they offer at your job, do they offer resources? Let's say that um, you are assaulted, there is violence against you or a coworker. Is there, are there any resources that you know of to help with dealing with that situation? Most county services, and I, I, I speak towards the, the county government, I, I honestly can't tell you about some of the private services. Okay. Um, but most county services, county EMS services, do have, whether it be through insurance or whatever, most most county services do have some type of counseling resources that you that you can use. That's wonderful. You know, some of us find find solace in church. Some of us whatever resources some of us don't use as as healthy of an option as church and that's a bad thing in itself that's the bad thing is the violence an assault can have a almost a cyclical effect Mm -hmm. of you know you're assaulted well nothing's really done about it it's a misdemeanor and then progresses to this well nobody does anything and now i'm worried about going back out there and find solace in something else and i mean there's that that happens more than than i care to admit absolutely absolutely and two also i i feel as though with working in healthcare and seeing death and it also causes a little bit of bitterness inwardly and I'm sure in your line too because of all of this there's some unfair stereotypes that can come along with it because I know there's certain stereotypes with working in neuro ICU you hear a certain disease process or disorder you anticipate the way it's going to be you know you have a subarachnoid hemorrhage and so you you think the patient's probably going to be a little kooky you know so the same thing if you if you keep responding to certain calls and you know that this group of individuals, whether they're demented or, or whatever else, but if you continuously get hurt, unfortunately, a lot of times that can cause bitterness and it can impede the human kindness factor that you originally started the job with. Not, not you as Rusty, but you as in healthcare providers in general. 
Oh, you're you're exactly right. And I, I I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you straight up. Even myself, I've lost a lot of faith in humanity just mm-hmm. from so many years of doing this. Right. You can only see you can only see this world, the bad side of this world, so often before you realize that bad side is there. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I'll be straight up. I'll be straight up honest with you. I've got a diagnosis of PTSD. It's cumulative. It, my my doctor said it's a, mine is a cumulative, a cumulative effect from years of seeing stuff that people are not meant to see. Absolutely, I can only. You know, imagine. I had a I had a friend of mine who was a corpsman. They're in a war zone, and he told me when he came back, he said, I couldn't do what you do. I couldn't see the crap that you see on the streets mm-hmm. versus, you know, versus what I see in a war zone. I, I couldn't do it. But we go out there and see it every day. And you're, so, in, you're in South Carolina, which there's, there's so much stuff in South Carolina. But, I mean, I could only imagine other places like Boston and these big cities with the epidemics that are going on and it's just it's so difficult all across the board people just don't recognize that even in smaller towns like the ones that you live in and that you serve how prevalent all of this is oh yeah and it is it's very prevalent the media has to name everything but the opioid crisis Mm -hmm. yes that is it's here if people if the general public knew how many overdoses we run in small towns, how many overdoses we run in the all-American cities that mm-hmm. that are, you know, whatever, they would be, I mean, they'd be flabbergasted. Yeah, absolutely. Just because they don't step over it. I remember when I did an assignment in Massachusetts, you would walk down some of the the streets and you would literally be stepping over the people with syringes in their arms and and walking around like zombies. But just because we don't see it in small towns in the smaller States, which I mean, it's not smaller than Massachusetts, but you know, in the smaller back home, more rural areas, areas. Absolutely. Like it doesn't mean that it's not there just because you're not exposed to it. Exactly. Well, I had a gun pulled on me on a call. You want to talk about being scared? Yeah. That's exactly where I was. That's, that is the most terrified I've ever been in my life. So what did you do in that situation? Um, exactly what they told me to. Um, I, can't, I mean, I can't go into details right, on absolutely. it, but I, I did exactly what they told me to mm-hmm. um, to get myself and my partner out of there. So... And yet day after just, day, you still get up and you still go out instead of changing your profession, which you're an intelligent guy, your whole family, you're all brilliant. But instead of changing, you still choose every single day to go out and help strangers, even yep. though this is your risk. And unlike a lot of other people who do this, you have zero protection. Yep. Well, on behalf of everyone, thank you so much for the work that you do. Thank you so much for protecting your community and for still choosing to love people and to be that person 
to go out and help every day, no matter what comes your way and what you have to suffer from it. And thanks for being a guest on the show. It was great talking with you. Well, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And I'm glad I could help you out too. Thank you. Thanks for joining this week's episode of First Do No Harm. And we look forward to talking to you next week. And remember, we're all in this together.